0: Hey, this is Drew. And we had so much fun at our live show in Brooklyn that we want to do more live shows in more places. So do us a favor. Go to Defector.com livedistraction live distraction to let us know where you live. It'll take 10 seconds and it'll help us bring more live distraction episodes to your city. That's Defector.com livedistraction live distraction or click the link in the episode description. Defector.com, live distraction, all one word. We'll see you there. We're back! We're back! It's a distraction. I'm Drew. That's Roth. How you doing,
1: Roth? I'm good, man. How are things? You doing all oh, right? I'm doing all right. It's time. Uh, you were already making satisfied sounds when I asked how you were doing, so you must be doing amazing.
0: Just just as as good as it gets, baby. And I'm even a, in an even better mood because it's just you and me. And it's time for another classic shoot-the-shit episode, wow. Roth. Wow.
1: People people demanded it. They were like, We like it when you two free associate and uh and the episodes are slightly shorter and we were actually like,
0: uh for the I'm gonna actually avoid a little bit of loosey goosiness at the beginning because I have a, a deeply personal and somewhat embarrassing story to tell, but uh it involves me solving uh, a mystery that has hounded me for well, for four decades now. So uh
1: do you mind if I tell you the story? I can't believe you finally got to the bottom of the DB Cooper thing. That's awesome, dude. Yeah. That's right. It turns out I
0: am DB Cooper. This wow. is. Um,
1: I expected someone shorter.
0: It's a story about me and my bladder, Roth. And I know no, that's. I know immediately everyone's good. Huge letdown. I know.
1: I know everyone's good. Like, oh,
0: oh, God. I don't want. <laughs> I have actually. I've written about this many times. I've written about it for GQ. I've written about it for a robot for Deadspin when we were at Deadspin. I mentioned it in passing in the fun bag, whatever. My entire life, David Roth, I have had to go to the bathroom. Dozens of times a day, like just dozens. to do
1: a number one, though just
0: to do a number one, not and, to do uh, a number
1: two or number three.
0: And this has been the case ever since I remember. I remember, um, like you know, freaking out in class because I I had to go and I didn't have a bathroom pass or whatever. Or, you know, you know, this is back when teachers were even more dickish than they are now. Mm-hmm. And uh, and I remember like getting up a lot at movies and at sporting events. And it would always freak me out. And I remember I was at a dinner with my. My grandparents once, and my uncles, and and my mom, my dad, and my brother and sister, blah blah blah. And I must have gotten up to piss four or five times, right? And, one, and like the last time, my uncle, who was my favorite uncle, he took me by the arm, not like harshly, like he just he you know grabbed myself by the arm and he's like, "Look, sit down, Drew." And I couldn't. I was like, "I gotta go," and I I ran to the bathroom and stood in front of the toilet, and probably a fucking tablespoon came out or something. And I have spent my life with this problem. I've spent my life trying to solve this problem. I've spent the past 20 years, 10 to 20 years, trying to solve this problem. I have gone to something called biofeedback therapy. I'm not going to get into the particulars of that. I have gone to physical therapy. I've taken medications. I've had ultrasounds on my bladder. I've uh, I've had a camera up my you-know-what, and well, that was that was one of the worst things that I've ever... That was the worst pain I've ever experienced in my life, without a doubt. <laughs> uh, Eric, our producer, is asking if I got the RoboCop procedure. I actually did not get the RoboCop <laughs> procedure, but... And then I I was like, when okay... you get
1: a scope installed in your wiener that identifies a urinal or a toilet scans me, to see if m- it's a citizen or a criminal. Let me tell you something, Roth. If you are a man or a
0: woman or you are a... Uh, uh, any type Non-binary. of person that, that pisses. If, you are, if you're any type of person, and you have to get a camera up your urethra, I, you have my utmost sympathy. It was mm-hmm. really just the bleakest moment of my existence. It only lasted a few seconds, but it stuck.
1: Right. I can't. <laughs> I know that this isn't going to come through on the broadcast. I'm doing some like I guess you'd call them dances. As you just in. We need yeah, to move yeah, yeah. past this part of the story. I don't I don't care for thinking about it. I'm sorry it happened to you.
0: Anyway, it turned out that I was uh, you know, I I was copacetic physiologically. I was fine. Mm-hmm. So the problem was all in my head. So, uh, you know, in some ways, you know, when when you but you know, before I started seeing a therapist, I found head problems to be daunting and almost shameful in a way. I I didn't really You know, I I didn't want to think problems were all in my head because I ascribed some sort of personal failing to it. Like, oh, oh, I'm a head case. I'm a basket case. And it seemed like a harder problem to solve. I know that's not true anymore. If you have a mental health problem, you know, a lot of mental health problems can be solved if you get the right treatment for it, just as if you have a physical problem, you can get it solved with the right treatment. I talk to my therapist. We try a lot of different strategies and like, I'm trying like, okay, if I have to use the bathroom, I have to go to a different level of my house or, uh, you know, I have to, I have to give myself a ration of only like 10 times a day. And all these things would work for like a, like two days. I'd be, I'd have that thing where you ever have, you ever have, you ever recover from something wrong and you feel really good one day and you're like, oh, I'm good. I'm cured. Yeah. I'm all good to go. And then like two days later your body's like, ha. ha, ha, ha. Yep. Just kidding. Fuck you. So it was like that sort of thing. And so I say to my wife one day, um, you know, I I I, I sort of I confess to my wife, I'm like, listen, honey, I think I think I'm addicted to going to the bathroom. I think I have an addiction. <laughs> and which is which is like the dumbest sounding shit. Like I tried Googling. Bathroom addiction. You're gonna get results, but yeah. they're not what you want. Yeah,
1: not not the results I it's want. It's Not instructional videos.
0: And my wife, uh, she says to me, she says to me, "Well, you have you have an obsession or or a, a compulsion." And I all of a sudden, ding, a light goes on. I go, I do my internet homework, which I usually I usually try to avoid doing the internet medical homework for obvious reasons. Yeah, but I find a case study at the NIH about a, a girl who uh, had an Anxiety disorder that manifested itself in frequent urination, very over frequent urination. I go to my nurse practitioner and I tell her, I, I tell her about this problem, and she's like, Oh, yeah. She's like, You're not alone. And I could not believe that. I was like, Oh my God. She's like, Yeah. A lot of people have an anxiety problem or, or a compulsive disorder uh, that, that manifests itself in this particular way. She refers me to, a psychiatrist practice, because I go see a therapist. Therapist isn't a medical doctor. They can't prescribe medication to you, right? I go to the, uh, I, I have a meeting with a psychiatrist who, I tell her about this problem. First of all, she's like, "Oh wow, I've never heard of that before," and that's not good. No, <laughs> right? I'm yeah, like, no. <laughs> I'm "Like, man, I'm I'm kind of paying you to know You're what an this shit Medical
1: is. oddities, sir. <laughs>
0: yeah, let's put you let's put you in the mudder museum when you yeah, die. Right? Right?
1: Like, I've never seen anybody make it this far with that long a tail.
0: Yeah, right. So, so I'm I'm telling her all this, and she said, "Well, you know, look, this sounds like a." an anxiety disorder or, or, or an OCD, but OCD and anxiety disorders, they're all on a spectrum. We're all on a spectrum, which was like a very sort of grandiose, but also correct thing for her to say. And she started me on uh, an antidepressant because I I'm on one other thing for my brain injury, but, but this was a different thing. And I take it last night for the first time. And you have to understand Roth that I would spend hours out of the day, hours out of the day feeling like I had to use the loo, which is not normal, right? And I go to, and I would get up, it was not uncommon for me before going bed, going to bed to get up five times in the span of half an hour or an hour, much to my wife's chagrin, because my wife has to sleep next to me. So, and like, she's a normal person, right? Yeah. And so, you know, I get defensive, I feel like a freak, you know, I, I feel embarrassed, you know, in my own home. And, you know, last night I I, I had to get up, you know, I I had to go because I had had, you know, water and all that. stuff.
1: Right. We're all middle-aged
0: men here. But my mind was not, this was not parked along the side of my mind for the entirety of the night the way it usually was. And the funny thing was, it was like, wow, I'm not thinking about pissing all the time. What the fuck do I think about now?
1: (laughs) (laughs) So it was just kind of like taking up space in your... Mental inventory, in a way, like that was
0: yeah. Like you ever have some sort, you, like you ever have, um, let's say you ever have like a toothache, and the the pain is shitty, but also the preoccupation with it yeah, is yeah, also yeah. shitty. Like it's just you're using a lot of bandwidth that you know could be used in a better fashion. Mm-hmm. So, um, so I, you know, I I, I had a, a really nice night, and I'm having a, a good time talking to you right now because we're talking about taking a piss, mm. and for once in my we life. Are. For once in my life, I don't
1: actually have to go when that's we talk. That's awesome, dude. It. I'm glad that you are feeling better about it. I feel like that's, there's always that like sense of if you, I've had this, you know, with my own disorders in the past, that like, there's this hope that somehow it's like taking the fucking limitless pill, you know, that it's like, if as soon as you remove the feeling of being anxious or preoccupied with something that like, all of that is just going to be like filled with... The ability to remember things that I once read, or like do math again, which I can't do now because that part of my brain fell off. Oh, but and it's not—it's not necessarily that, and yet, like just removing the, you know, noise from the equation. I think, like, even if the signal is not coming through clearer, it's still a good thing that the noise is not there. That makes me happy to hear. Also, that makes me wonder: Have you like? intensely had to piss every time we've recorded these and you've just been playing through it. Like, every one of these is your flu game.
0: No, but what I would do is, like, go, like, twice beforehand. uh uh-huh. You know what I mean? And, like, even if I didn't have to go, like, this sort of, like, you know, before I see a movie or before I leave the house, it's, like, you know, it's it's really, like, oh, I, I just better make sure there's not a fucking micro drop left. And then I'm standing there like a fucking pud. I
1: guess you did before the... The live show you did. Go, you oh my god, going back for more olive uh for one one last hurrah in the bathroom. But I get that. There's two things. One is
0: that obviously this is very early, so I can't know that. You know, I don't want to do the thing where I'm like I'm cured, but like yep. this is the this is the most noticeable difference I've had in my entire sentient life in in how my brain's operating. The other thing is that. And it, this was true back when I hurt my brain. I had a brain hemorrhage in 2018 that resulted in adjustment disorder. I wrote about it, blah, blah, blah. Um, Tell them the name of the book. It's a good book. It, is, it, it remains incredible I'll to me.
1: Tonight it. the lights went
0: out. That you can have something wrong with your mind and not know it. Uh, and I haven't known this for for 40, 40 years. I mean, if you want to go back to my birth, 47 years. But like the idea that I didn't. Know it, even though it was my own mind. It's both like, in 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 a certain way, it, it's a bit frightening, right? Because you don't, you always want to, you always think that you have control over knowing your body, right? How many times
1: have you said, "I know my body"? to Oh, speak for yourself, man. Yeah. I think, especially when it comes to mental stuff, there's a lot in there where I'm just sort of like, I don't know why that's doing. That's
0: that. that's the thing. It's that you can know your body, but you can't necessarily know your mind, even though you're up and you're thinking and you're conscious and all that stuff. And I f- again, I find that frightening in a way, but I also find it kind of um, well. I find it invaluable to know that because it, then you can always think about the possibility of okay, I you know th- there might be something here that I haven't considered that I was not able to consider because I'm too busy thinking that I'm okay when I'm not. Uh, so I think the the lesson here isn't just to you know to listeners who have to piss all the time the way I do, but <laughs> listeners who you know, may have a problem in their life that seems out of their control, it may actually be something that is within them that they actually can uh, maybe seek out help
1: for, and yeah. you know, I'd like to encourage them. I think that's, I think that's that. a good point and one worth making.
0: Now, uh, on to business. We have to talk about Steve Garvey running for Senate. Wait. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Are you sure that's true? Yeah, back in All right. we're we're back to painful transitions. We're we're out of the confessionals, and now we're back into the dumb shit, Rob. You're Let me just get
1: back into shit. the stream of the conversation <laughs> here. The, yeah. You're welcome. The do oh. everything my fucking self on this podcast. Steve Yes, we can talk about Steve Garvey running for Senate in California. Um I don't think that he's ready for the level of competition that he's going to face in terms of he's like not the Biggest sociopath anymore, like he was in the 1980s. But I look it, forward to watching him learn that lesson.
0: I mean, I don't know if I agree with you because Steve Garvey has himself quite a little rap sheet uh, there. He's oh, yeah. got
1: uh, he's he's been a philanderer. Uh, he uh, he's got a bunch of illegitimate kids. He's been a hypocrite. He's uh, he's so look. What I'm saying is I don't want to take anything away from his accomplishments, but this is like those annoying debates where people are like, Bill Russell would play maybe 10 minutes a game in a temporary NBA. Maybe. Usually there, I'm like, I don't know. I think he would probably be pretty effective, even if he played mostly against guys who were shorter and less athletic than him.
0: I'm just saying he's got some shitbag cred. And I, I do too. You need, I that, like- you need that cred You know, when you're going up against the the likes of Vivek Ramaswamy and, and Matt Gates and all the other fun guys that are out there.
1: Yeah, I just think, I mean, I think he's, I don't want to take anything away from his tools. I just think that there's a higher class of sociopath running for office right now, especially California has that thing, which a lot of like heavily democratic, and I guess probably this is like works the other way around, although it's a different type of maniac that you see uh, coming out the other end of it, where like, the next senator from the state of California is going to be a Democrat. I don't feel the need to hedge that statement at all. It's just how no. it is. This means that the people that are running for the Republican nomination there are basically the worst people in the state. The ones, the worst public people. Like I'm sure that there's like Larry a used Elder. car dealer in Tustin that is just like worse than anyone you'll ever meet. You know, and that's <laughs> that's fine. That's to his credit, but he's not involved in politics. But like all of these other guys, like Larry Elder, all the like just Infected talk show host brain types. And then in Steve Garvey's case, like weird people that have been like famous and not really working for 35 years and just thinking about, you know, like I wouldn't do it that way. Like that is a uh, those are, are lousy types of people. I just think that they're they're making new, worse ones every day in the way that like I don't think that you or I as a child would have been able to process Matt Gates. It's like like (laughs) the like level of fuckery that he like just sits at like, again, I want to make like the baseball comp there. It's the way that like, you know, there were guys that threw like 95 in 1986 and everyone was like, we'd never seen a ball moving that fast. And now it's like every guy in the bullpen has an arm like that. Like there's so many more Matt Gateses than there used to be. And I think for Steve Garvey, it's like if he was running in like 1992, everyone would sort of see him as a, you know, a state-of-the-art talent in, uh, you know, the field of being a reactionary guy with a bunch of illegitimate children. But now uh, the game has changed.
0: Well, I mean, we also know now, and this was true before Trump, um, but it's it's truer now that he is a a dominant figure in, in politics. But, you know, it's clear that running for basically any office now, not just president, is just It's just self-branding, right? You just do it. You do it so that people know who the fuck you are. And then if you lose, it doesn't matter after that. Like I interviewed, for SFGate, I interviewed the YouTube star, Kevin Pathrath, who was running to replace Gavin Newsom when they had that. Bullshit recall effort to get rid of Newsom Newsom is not a great governor right he's he's no. he's kind of a shit bag
1: right he's been doing some stuff like the next level up in Fuckery for aspiring to higher office where he's vetoing a bunch of really popular bills to like again, this is just antique way of doing it, but like showing out to imaginary moderates by banning a cap. On insulin prices, like winning over all the Americans, they're like, "I'm a one issue voter, and I love to pay as much as the market will bear for the insulin that keeps me alive." Like that's, but that's why they shouldn't let governors run for president. Period. Uh, but, but anyway, I, go on. But I interviewed Path
0: Rath, and it was clear to me that like, like if he if he if he had won, like great, but like he didn't really give a fuck. It was just that he got his name out there, right? And you can't tell me that Ramaswamy isn't different and you can't tell me that Steve Garvey won't be any different because Steve Garvey strikes me as, you know, basically a uh, you know, a gray ghost type guy who is running for office just so he has just so he's famous again because he's yeah. He never got the the spotlight, you know, that he did after being an athlete that he could get from being some shitty senator or at least someone who ran for senate bravely and and was canceled for the effort or whatever right i I was
1: gonna say like i took on the machine they all said (laughs) right nobody that played for the 1985 padres could be in the senate well i said let's see what happens and then i did lose very badly uh in that race but like i this is the thing with like i guess with any sort of politician i suppose this is true to a certain extent but the idea that steve garvey has been just stewing in outer San Diego for 20 years being like, why is no one talking about Steve Garvey? He's done so much. He was very handsome. Like that, I guess that that is like maybe not the worst place to come from in politics. Like, I guess whatever it is that motivates Ron DeSantis, which I guess is just an urge to go on punishing the most frequently punished people in our society uh, that that's, you know, I guess a worse motivator, but the idea that, like, this is just something you're doing because, like, he's already been famous, he's made many millions of dollars. Like, oh, yeah, and he, like, so probably lost the, it
0: in a lot of divorces, but still, that's
1: probably true. Yeah, I feel like the uh, idea of this is like it's not a, a you know, a novel or especially profound observation, but we were talking before the podcast about uh the story there's a recent story in the new york times less recent by the time you hear this podcast about rudolph giuliani's drinking they finally got people to go on the record and talk about like just how much scotch does our guy consume in a given whoa
0: hey are you telling me rudolph giuliani drinks i I know this is never
1: one of my favorite bits in that story is a person who's i guess his attorney but maybe just a communicator on his behalf who says it's become uh Trendy among the chattering classes in the elite coastal enclaves to talk about the fact that Rudolf Giuliani is sloshed or shit faced or shit canned or three or four sheets to the wind at every moment he's awake. Well, this is just more of the nattering and conventional wisdom. And it's like trying to make it like a political issue, like noticing that this guy's teeth are on upside down sometimes because he's so fucking housed is somehow like a partisan thing is amazing to me. But the observation that people make in there in terms of, like, why, like, what's his issue? Like, why does he keep putting himself out there? Why does he say he needs to be Trump's attorney? Why does he go on one American news network with, like, a BAC that starts with a one and then a decimal point? And the idea is basically that, like, he can't not be on camera. Like, this is, like, something in his brain, like a switch flipped when he was, I mean, honestly, probably when he was, like, a prosecutor. And at this point, it's, like, if he doesn't, go on tv he thinks he'll die Well, i got to give the
0: actual the actual quote from the the article by maggie haberman and matt flegenheimer what a great name flegenheimer uh, the, the quote from the flack was is become fashionable in certain circles to smear the mayor in an effort to stay in the good graces of new york's so-called high society yes. and the washington dc cocktail circuit now that I love, like, I'm going to the fucking university club and say, well, turns out Rudy Giuliani likes himself quite the tipple. Right. So, <laughs> right, I was going to say, so that, have you
1: heard about the, the latest story about Rudolph Giuliani lowering his hideous body into a bathtub full of Johnny Walker blue?
0: Like, also, the, like, the Maras like, will hang out with me some more. <laughs>
1: right, that's the part, also the idea that, like, are, am I a part of that chattering class? Cause it's like, is that is that what I'm doing when I point this out? It's like so that I'll get invited to a party at like Barry Diller and Diane von Furstenberg's extremely large apartment. <laughs> I just noticed that the guy's eyes are turning in opposite directions nonstop while he talks. Like, I don't think that that's. All, I, I mean, I don't know. All Do I can I think about is
0: that? yeah. All I can think about is you know he drinks that much Scotch. I mean, he really must have to piss a lot. You know what I'm saying?
1: Yeah. Yeah, that's true. I was thinking the same thing, probably not as intensely as you.
0: Let's take a break. We're going to come back. We actually have a special announcement regarding the podcast that I'm going to wait to tell you after the break. And before we go to the break, just want to note this week's episode is brought to you by Ugg Jock Straps. Finally, the (laughs) sheerling coziness of Uggs, now for the part of your body that needs (laughs) the most comfort. You can find Uggs Jock Straps today at Saks Fifth Avenue, and we'll be
1: right back. They're calling it his worst idea of all time. This episode of the Distraction is brought to you by Wild Grain, the first ever bake from frozen subscription box for sourdough breads, fresh pastas, and artisan pastries. Every item bakes from frozen in 25 minutes or less, no thawing required. How could I know this? Well, listeners, I have sampled of the Wild Grain product line. I got a box. It had a lot of different stuff in it. It had breads. It had a demi baguette. It had a freaking bowl. It had croissants and turnovers and pasta. And everything, everything that we made from it was good. It is a really solid product that I would, of course, be saying something like this if I hadn't experienced it. It's excellent. Everything that we had was great. I loved the boule. I liked having just a magic bakery-looking bread in our kitchen 25 minutes after it came out of the freezer, looking like a frozen dough knob, The demi-baguette was great. We cooked it up in, you know, whatever, 20 minutes, and we had delicious crusty bread to enjoy with our clams that night. Beyond being good tasting, it is a really easy way to take a weeknight thing that you're making and make it seem a lot fancier and more complete. And that is, to me, a very major and very valuable luxury. You can now fully customize your wild grain box to pick the things that make you feel the most luxurious in your day-to-day life. You can get any combination of breads, pastas, and pastries that you like. If you want a box of all bread, you can do that. All pasta, all pastries, you can do that too. In fact, I recommend that you do just go ahead and try, try different boxes with all different things in it. Plus, for a limited time, you can get $30 off the first box, plus free croissants in every box when you go to wildgrain.com slash distraction to start your subscription. You heard me. That's free croissants in every box and $30 off your first box when you go to wildgrain.com slash distraction. That's wildgrain.com slash distraction, or you can use promo code distraction at checkout.
0: And we're back with a special announcement to make. A, a possibly uh, a bit of sad news, Roth. You are you are you ready for this emotionally?
1: Yes, I. Uh, yes.
0: So uh, Roth and I got together. We decided that we are formally retiring the "Let's Remember Some Guys" segment uh, from the podcast. Now we're going to talk about why, and then we're going to have ourselves a little guy blowout Ooh, Ooh sweet. after the one fact. last time. So so we had the live show in Brooklyn a few weeks ago and i try i thought this is this is my first my first idea was roth was to do the $25,000 uh, guy pyramid so we would have two do you remember the the old
1: game show i do although i think i'm like the youngest person that remembers it so this would have maybe presented an issue with our audience right. this was our, that was my case
0: so my I, I i'm telling our producers like okay we're going to bring up two Audience members and we're gonna sit them across from each other. And one's gonna have a card that has a guy's name on it. And like like Peyton Manning or something like that. And they have to give one word clues so that the other person can guess it. Or they or we would have
1: something like like So for things, that one, for instance, you would say forehead or yeah, 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 right. sinuses.
0: Right, right, right. Omaha. You know, Yeah,
1: there you go. Perfect.
0: Or or we would have like the the bonus round ones where, oh, things skip Bayless would say. Uh you know, things, things that a New York Times headline would say and stuff like that. And our producer, Eric, was like, listen, that that sounds a little bit complicated, Drew. So I was like, okay, that's fine. I was like, oh, but I, I was like, why don't we do a wheel of guys? So what we did was we got a a literal spinning wheel. We should like should say
1: a- what Eric and Amanda did did because like yes you that's and right we're just giving them the worst ideas they'd ever heard and that's then, right like when we finally gave them one that they could use they were like sure we'll we'll google whether that product is available well because well, everything until then was just sort of like well you put dave in the mech suit from alien and then he fights the alien so I, I do pitched,
0: it. i pitched the the wheel of guys to to eric and he's like we can we can do that we can do that i was like and then while well, we were doing the the run through prior to the show prior to the live event Eric was like, "You sure you want to do this at the end? Like, if it's a dud." And I was like, "I was like, it'll never be a dud. It'll be a huge hit.
1: <laughs> Everyone will love it. Everyone will." Yeah. It will Showbiz Eric. Drew. This is not something. I mean, the wheel of guys. You won't hear. You've heard the episode by this point, but there, we did take out some stuff that was more of like a live experience or whatever. But right. Drew was like absolutely powered up to the yeah. max. I was episode. all like, "There's I was, no way it flops, baby. I'm Drew fucking McGarry." That's right. I loved. I was rather confident,
0: but I did. I did say to Eric, "Okay, maybe we, maybe we don't do that as the grand finale of the show, just in case, because we have the fun bag at the end of the show. That'll be, you know, we know that'll work." And he was like, "Good idea, good idea." So we get the wheel out, and we, and I'm like, "Who wants to spin the wheel?" And it's, and it's, a, only- it's
1: a great wheel. It really was a very great wheel. It had it made the sound like yes, if it went like, clickety clack. Like, ticker going by as the little uh nails went by very satisfying.
0: Yeah, so that was extremely cool. And like a couple people come up, they spin the wheel and we had it was a competition where you got if when it landed on the guy, you had to name a sport, the sport that the guy played and then one of the teams, one of the professional teams that they played for. That was all you had to do to win a little uh a starting lineup action figure. So we people come up nobody can remember any of the guys and like we calibrated the sheet so that we had we had easy guys medium guys hard guys it did not matter no matter where it landed the audience members couldn't do it and at one point I was like well we've only had uh, male audience members up because it, what hey, the women want to try it no no woman wants to come up nobody wants to come up uh, except my best friend's wife came up to sort of save the bit even though she does not watch sports. At all. She yep. and she rolled she 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 spun the wheel and she got Mark Sanchez and she had to guess two different sports before she even got to football. Yeah. And got right. So it I think it's clear to me now from that bit that and from other times we've done remember guys with guests and they just don't remember. They they have no fucking idea what we're talking about. That first of all, on a you know, in the good sense our collective depth, you and I, Roth, our collective depth of guy knowledge is simply just too good for the rest of the, the
1: population. We're that's simply, exactly the way that I would like to couch it too. We're simply what, too we're talented so at guy good reading. at this right. that you don't deserve to listen to
0: it. Yes, that's right. But uh the other thing was it's just not you know, if the other person doesn't remember the guy, well then we have dead air. We have nowhere to go. So we wanted to uh it had run its course, so we will replace it with something. Your suggestions are more than welcome, audience. You can tell us in the comments. But before we uh, before we replace it with something else, we have to do a, a big guy bukaki right now, and we have oh, to remember only say that you I don't will
1: need to put it like that. I yes, yes, I can. And but I, you, I you can. I'm just suggesting that you don't. You can't even say hand job. You're like, oh, hand stuff. I say hand stuff. People say hand stuff now. Nobody's out here saying hand job. What is this? this yes, they yes, they we're, do. We're in, we're in Stand By Me now. You got it's, cigarettes rolled up in your sleeve walking down a train track all of a sudden. Come it's on like now. you've never even visited Pornhub. It's disgraceful. I don't, Listen, first of all, I don't even know what that is. So let's
0: remember the guys that were on the wheel, because we do remember all these guys. <laughs> and we'll go through them
1: quickly so that we can get to uh, the fun bag question. Because I have to say that just before we do this, that it was so humiliating to have. I mean, the show was great; it was a triumph. The show even this, great. Se- even this segment was fun. It yes. was tough, though, that because it was like the guys that I put on there. Because I was like, well, everyone remembers Jamal Mashburn, and it turns out, no, not nope. really. They like, sure. That's just like. And motherfucker, uh, so, the audience
0: was our age, but it yeah, was. Just it was by the way, out
1: you're not normal. It was really. a great show,
0: and by the way, it was fun. To have it to have me sort of up there flailing and be like, Well, let me uh let me rig it so that it lands on Mark Sanchez so that it's easier for you. And that I didn't even like, work. He is anyway. a
1: tennis player. <laughs> like yeah.
0: Right. I do the full letterman bit where you know you take the bit that doesn't work and then you just like you, you
1: keep going with it until yeah, it starts becoming funny how bad that it is. Yeah. Exactly
0: right. And I also I just I just took a Mark Grace figure from your little prize bag and I have it up on my nightstand right now and I'm going to see it every time I don't get up to piss
1: it. I've given away most of the starting lineups. I feel this was the one thing it was like two days later uh, McQuaid messaged me and was like, I've been thinking about the show. I think the only thing we did wrong is that everyone that came up there should have gotten a starting lineup. I think some people didn't get one if they didn't get the answer right. But if that's the only thing that we flubbed is that I have like someone's Troy Aikman starting lineup in a tote bag near my desk now. Uh, if you feel like you should have gotten a starting lineup at the show, send me an email and I will send it to you. And yeah, we'll get that one next time. It's right. Joe. Yep. It's really easy to get. uh, (laughs) Yeah. It doesn't say that. I don't want to make that false advertising. It doesn't talk. You have to do your own Troy Aikman voice. We had Mashburn as one of our easy guys in the spreadsheet.
0: I'll I'm going to remember the seven easy choices. Uh, the first one was Mark Sanchez. That's an easy one. You remember that guy. He's on TV now. Still. Yes, he is. He's actually, yeah. I, I have to tell you, Raul, and I might write about this, but I think he's actually a fantastic color guy. He's really good. Yeah, he's good. pretty good.
1: He's got that, I think, this is a weird sort of way to grade guys, and it might be that I'm you know, i bringing too much of my own understanding of where they are and sort of that like pecking order of color commentators. He's in that space where he's not down in the, like, the bottom of the well with Mark Schlereth being like, "Oh, I'll tell you what," like just back and forth, nonstop. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah but yeah, he's yeah. also not at that level where I think that uh, Greg Olson, I think, is still good. But the guys that instantly get sort of tabbed for stardom as color commentators can sort of begin to collapse into like catchphrasiness or sure, sort of like a rote observation. Sanchez is just like. It's good when you hear him on a game. He's pretty sharp. He can talk good. And there's, like, it also doesn't feel like he's auditioning for, you know, hosting The Bachelorette, you know? Like, it's not like another TV job is necessarily the the design. And
0: he's outcome. pretty self-aware. Like, if a guy's a USC guy, he's like, ah, he's a USC guy. Like, ha, ha, ha. And then, like, his, his broadcast partner... Of like, ah, piss off. And like he knows he, he leans into his dip a little bit. So that's yeah, okay.
1: A little bit of that goes a long way. The next yes.
0: one, this was for our our guest uh for that show was Rohan Nadkarni. So we had Udonis Haslam on the wheel, but he did not hit Udonis Haslam. I should have done that. I think he hit Ma- I think did he hit Mashburn instead? He, yeah, he he, I think believe he did. Him. And uh, but he was too young to remember him. Next one was Ryan Fitzpatrick, and I feel like people would have remembered. Ryan oh, Fitzpatrick. Yeah. I feel like he's, he's the, on
1: TV now and
0: Yeah. He's in every fucking ad, like alongside Travis Kelsey. It's not a problem. Then we had Jamal Mashburn, uh the great Jose Batista with the bat flip. Yep. Uh Chris Johnson, CJ two K. Uh and Ontario Smith, the original Wizinator we had. Ontario
1: him. Smith is the one where It's like if and this is the challenge always with trying to come up with these names. If you remember Ontario Smith, which was like sort of as a football player and mostly as a guy who uh, brought a prosthetic penis into a toilet stall to try to pass a drug test. Correct. It's like it's a delight. Like if you weren't thinking about Ontario Smith and then suddenly you're like, do you remember the man with the whizinator? And it was like, you had to wear it on your body in order to, that's terrific. That's It's a, like a nice Najee experience.
0: Davenport. You remember him for yes. one
1: thing. Right. You know? Which was that he was also a, pro- a prominent track athlete of Florida State. By is the way. Is there some other thing? was there well, something involving a hamper that I'm supposed to remember there? One thing that
0: uh, I've, I've gotten from Immaculate Grid is remembering late career stints that like great athletes had. And mm-hmm. like like Chris Johnson, you remember him as a as a Titan. We all do, right? That was when he broke two thousand yards and all that stuff. But he also played for the Jets and the Cardinals. And my memory of those eras is so, so foggy. Like and and like and Grid made me remember that Michael Vick played for the Steelers for a cup of coffee. I completely oh, yeah. fucking forgot. Yeah. about Yeah, I
1: mean, he was mostly just wearing a a hat at that point. But yes, uh, the Chris Johnson, the Jets have the same sort of thing that the Mets do, where they like to be like sort of like a hospice facility for a professional sports career. Like if you've like yes. had a long, happy life in the game, but you want to play like your last 10 games in complete silence in front of like a bunch of people from Long Island, like the Mets will, you know, Brian Dawbach will get to end his career with dignity there. And ditto for uh, Chris Johnson, I guess.
0: It's like the, uh, the Ravens and wideouts. Like if you are a washed up wideout, buddy, There is a WR1 job waiting
1: for you. Yes, the Derek
0: Mason endowed chair. A thousand (laughs) percent. Uh, Our medium names, our medium-named guys, which are actually really quite difficult. We had Alexander McGilney, the NHL 94 GOAT. Uh, We had Becky Hammond, who of course is famous now as a coach, but people will have had to remember her WNBA career in which she played for. Uh, the New York Liberty and the San Antonio Silver Stars. Uh, we had Matt Millen. Someone hit Matt Millen on the on the wheel and only remember him as a clueless shithead uh, front office executive and not as a guy who won a Super Bowl for both the Raiders and the Commanders and maybe even the Niners. I can't remember, but like they forgot that. Uh, we had Andre Risen. You remember him. And again, uh, another thing where you remember him for one thing. Got his house off. burned down about by fucking Lisa Left, left Eye I. Lopez. Yeah,
1: R.I.P. Obviously. The um but yeah, he was I Ryzen was a cool player too. Like he was, he was one a of my favorite
0: Football player. He was when I was in really, middle school. The kind of like the original prototype for the and I I don't like using the word, but for the Diva wideout, like he was one of the first pain-in-the-ass wideouts, and he was fucking great. He was yeah. so good. Uh, we have Travis Fryman. I think that's what Rohan hit. I think he hit Travis Freiman. Yeah, he had nothing was on Travis Freiman. Absolutely, absolutely lost. Uh, Bryant Reeves. Uh, Doug Peterson as a football player. As a football player. You and I are old enough to remember... When he was an actual football
1: player, he doesn't yeah. look like a football player anymore. No, <laughs> he's got he looks like a man like that works at a car dealership.
0: Yeah, he's like he's like forty percent of the way to Freddie Kitchens uh, or Josh Hypel, yeah. but not not quite there yet. But he's like, not
1: going to get all the way there. I feel like he like gets on the exercise, bike. yeah, yeah, and yeah. Stuff.
0: He's got he's got a manageable dad bod. He doesn't his dad bod hasn't broken contain
1: just yet. Frederico Cuccini. we love to talk about Freddie Kitchens here on the podcast.
0: We had Bubba Watson just so we could make a joke about the Aces and live golf. Uh, Dominique Rogers Cromarty, and he played for six teams. Yeah,
1: is now completely known as being like Mina Kimes' friend from TV, which is yep. fine. That's a that's a good living too.
0: Wait, wait, are you? Do you mean Dominic Foxworth? Oh,
1: I do mean Dominic Foxworth. That's right. Well, that's my have bad. To, we're gonna have to cut that, that out. Room. You nope. Racist leave it. Dickhead. I fucked up. Uh, There's two guys named Dominique that played the same position. I'm not going to apologize for that.
0: Wow. Well, I guess all cornerbacks look alike to you. That's bro. not true. Uh, uh, Tatum Bell, another person you only remember for one thing, he got traded to Detroit and then got kicked off Detroit's off to Detroit Lions for stealing
1: his teammates' luggage. I didn't remember that. I remember him as a usable fantasy back for a while. He, he was. He stole somebody's luggage? Yes. He he stole his
0: teammates' luggage. Like He stole shit out of it. And even oh. the Lions were like, okay, we can't, we can't really
1: have that. And they never played again, ever. <laughs> that is he a tough poor- one, too. I mean, that's like the next natural step when the Lions is like, we as the Detroit Lions in like 2007 or 8 have decided that you're not an NFL guy anymore. Like at that point, who is going to argue with that?
0: Uh, Dave Steve, which I had on there for you. I felt like you would remember Dave Steve.
1: Steve was great. He's also had, uh, he's benefited from the John Boyce bounce. In the sense that, uh, of all the guys that would otherwise have been, I mean, he had a great career, but that would have been like sort of forgotten one way or the other. Like the best you can hope for if you've already fallen off the hall of fame ballot, which I think Steve is like, has a fringe case for on the merits. Yes, he was the best you good can part. hope for is that John Boyce makes a magisterial secretly sad five-part YouTube series about your career. And then you will never be forgotten. Uh, and then, uh, our two last, uh, Medium
0: guys. Carney Lansford, the famous A's uh, hitter. Mm-hmm. Sort of like the Wade Boggs of the yes. A's, I would say. And Cleo Lemon, that was, that was also for Rohan, although maybe Rohan was in kindergarten when Cleo Lemon played for a cup of coffee for the Dolphins. Cleo Lemon is definitely
1: the guy that Dolphins fans, when they like talk about how things were bad, they're like, you weren't there when Cleo Lemon was out there. And like, I don't think he's remotely the worst Dolphins quarterback that I've seen. I think it's John Beck. But I think that there are like he's a I don't know just because his name was was kind of cool uh, that he sounds like a that's like the name that a Zoe Deschanel character would have in a movie. But he was a real guy. I'm gonna run through the hard guys now, and I'm gonna do it quick
0: because Go we ahead. don't have we 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 have remembered a lot of guys now. I got a legendary. This is pullback, our last time, Drew Bob Christian. Uh, journeyman quarterback, Steve DeBerg, who was Ryan Fitzpatrick before Ryan Fitzpatrick was Ryan Fitzpatrick. Mm -hmm. Kevin Duckworth, of course, who I I always remember as a trailblazer because he was on the NBA Finals team, but also played for four other teams.
1: Yeah. Can I say one thing about Kevin Duckworth? No. Yeah, sure. Lost garment of my youth. And it's presumably somewhere in my home because everything that's ever entered my childhood home is still there being eaten by moths. Mm -hmm. I had a Kevin Duckworth T-shirt, like one of those T-shirts where it was like a guy's face and then their name and then like a sort of a hazy image of them dunking. Not one of the ones where it's a caricature. I had some of those too, but I can't find my Kevin Duckworth T-shirt. And I feel like that's one that on the secondary market would be worth like $250.
0: You know what is the next innovation is from fanatics and their shitty merchandise is going to be a basketball tank top jersey, like you yeah. know how like a jersey is a jersey is a shirt. Yes, but you can do that for basketball and just, just have it be a fucking the sh- sleeves, a shitty tank top. <laughs> and our our producer Eric was like, "I'd be I'd wear the fuck out of that." He would. Uh, <laughs> it Randolph Childress is next. Someone got him on the wheel and and just wanted to. Do Brad Childress instead. And I think we let them do it. Yeah. Uh, Rusty Greer, who uh, I just remember him making, he used to make great catches in the outfield for the Rangers. Yeah. And I I remember uh,
1: Kelsey McKinney's first favorite player. He also,
0: I think he cinched uh, Kenny Rogers' perfect game back in the day. And I remember the call from the Rangers home announcer. He said, Oh, baby, Rusty Greer. And like the most, (laughs) like,
1: (laughs) <laughs> sort of like Texas, like like they made him sound like Casey Kasem doing the Shaggy voice on Scooby Doo.
0: It was kind of kind of like that. All right, and then the last one, I'm gonna just go. Right I'm gonna go through. I'm gonna go through them quick. Tyler Thigpen, Chris Hovind, Aronda Gatson, Kirk McLean, R.W. McCorders, Bear Pasco, and the Immortal James Jet. We we never got invited to do James Jet. Bear but I Pasco
1: It's really nice to see in there. James, as
0: well. yeah, James Jet was the guy where like he was sort of the epitome of. Mm-hmm. Albert Davis wants to draft a super fast guy who can't catch. And by the way, Jet is
1: in his fucking name. Yeah. That's
0: even better.
1: That was the best of like end stage Al Davis, where like he was just completely he was like asleep for 20 hours a day. And they would wake him up and he'd be like, just who's the fastest guy? And then they would draft some <laughs> defensive back that had no idea what he was doing. And they but he ran like a four two. And that uh yeah, that the organization has, I guess, continued to do that.
0: Eh,
1: to a, I mean they, of, I don't know it's hard no, to say I mean, what they're doing. They
0: imported Devonte Adams, who's an actual good wide receiver. Yes. So and then they uh, turned him into James Jett It's the magic it's, of the Raiders. Yeah. No, they had Jimmy Garoppolo throwing him the ball. Uh, let's open up the voicemail bag uh, and we will hear from our listeners rather than Ooh. just. Uh, oh, I love that. Where, rather than just uh, read their letters, we're going to hear them. Uh, Eric, could you take us to the first one, please, gentlemen? Uh First, I got to apologize to Ross real quick for pestering him about O'Divy McDowell possibly dodging a Chevy Lumina. Anyhow, my question is, Ben Simmons, how on earth has so much been written about Ben Simmons in the last five years? How on earth is there this much to say about this doofus, even this far along? Anyways, I saw yet another Ben Simmons story, and I had to ask uh
1: cheers i mean i think part of the answer is that he was very briefly an extremely good nba player and then he just couldn't do it anymore that would be like one story like if he'd sort of retired or washed out those things do happen in this case what's weird is that he just never he can't stop being on teams because he's still getting paid and that contract is still enough that teams need to kind of keep him around i feel like the story is kind of out of juice at this point like if i see one more fucking video of him in the offseason playing in a pickup game with his cousins at la fitness oh, I like analyze
0: his fucking jumper and all yeah that and
1: shit. they do the like the double eyes emoji because he dunks on some guy that played high school basketball 10 years ago like i'm not gonna do an eyes emoji face at that like i already know that ben simmons can dunk he just doesn't choose to do it in games because it's against his beliefs now or whatever. I think uh anytime
0: you get an athlete who uh, contracts Steve Blass disease when they yep. are dominant athletes who mysteriously lose it and this happened to David Duval in golf, this happened to Chuck Knobloch in baseball, uh this happened of course to Steve Blass in baseball. You know, Ben Simmons was and I suppose is a freakishly talented player who, for some reason or another, just ended up being afraid to shoot the basketball or just could not even shoot the basketball, was bad at it. And I think that, um, you know, as, as much as people like me want drag on them, well, the majority of us are failed athletes, right? And to see that happen to a pro, it's both relatable, but also inexplicable because these are people who are so, so, so far above all of us in terms of talent level, it's impossible to comprehend. And then they come back down to this level that you can comprehend. Yeah. And that itself is a a mind fuck because it's like, how could that possibly happen? How could you be
1: so ordinary after I saw you not be ordinary? It's also interesting... In the basketball context, because for the baseball guys that that you mentioned, there are guys that sorted it out. I mean, Daniel Bard is a case of a guy who basically seems to have cured the inability to throw a strike, which like ruined his career for, you know, six years like he was if you look at Daniel Bard's baseball reference page there's all these years where he pitched three minor league innings walked five guys hit four guys gave up a home run and then just like didn't pitch the rest of the season and now he's back he's a big leaguer again and for players like a like a Chuck Knobloch like had a back part of his career you know as a DH Rick Ankiel completely Flipped the script. He didn't pitch again, but he right. had like, you know, an eight year career as an outfielder. Those are, those are cool stories because I mean, for the reason that you said, in terms of like, it gives you a little bit of a window onto how challenging it is mentally to have to do a job like this, which we think of mostly, I think as a physical job, even if, you know, we're the sort of smart fan that would listen to a podcast like this, What's weird with Simmons is that he was never a really very good shooter. I mean, it's just that that whatever it was that kept him from getting better at shooting or taking an open jump shot, like just metastasized in his game to like, I mean, the enduring image of his career is him passing up an open baseline dunk in the playoffs because he couldn't let himself do it. The, The problem with it and, you know, the real frustration there beyond the fact that Simmons himself does not seem it's not the most, you know likable of guys as like sympathetic as his scenario is he's just not a very like warm talker there's also the fact that he's still around you know it's harder to, i think in some ways if chuck knoblock can't make the throw from second base to first anymore you can put him in left field or you can have him dh or whatever ditto rick ankeel like he if he can do all the other stuff you can't really hide a basketball player in the contemporary nba the way that you would need to. And you definitely can't hide them if, as with Ben Simmons, the main way in which that player would be used is by putting the ball in that player's hands. And so it's it really does make for... It's an intriguing story. We just haven't gotten a second act yet, you know? And we, and and so we, it's frustrating in that. And
0: I think, I think now it's clear that we won't. I think that the reason that the story had so much use was that inexplicable human element, but then it was also combined with uh, both, you know, sort of trade machine intrigue, right? He yeah. was a good. He like, was just,
1: uh, he, NBA discourse
0: shit, definitely. Right, an, etor- an eternal chess piece, but also someone who was a number one pick and so obviously talented that there was always a hope from whatever fans got him or wanted him that he would unfuck himself, right? That there was some hope that he would unfuck himself. The, you know, the way that you hope that you know, a rookie quarterback develops into something special when he struggles in the beginning. Like, there's still that, you're still holding on to that. So, it just sort of ended up being this, you know, sort of perfect story to get like endless and endless amounts of column inches out of. But mm-hmm. uh, but I, I do think it's petering out now. I think
1: people have stopped, stopped giving me a fuck.
0: Now, James Harden, that's a different
1: story. <laughs> right. Harden's uh, got it. I mean, it is. Again, what it takes is basically a character that is like a weird funhouse mirror in the shape of an NBA guy, and then also a 24-hour news cycle in a sport that, like, doesn't maintain enough news to hold that up.
0: Uh, let's get to the next one. Can you cue that up for us, Eric, please? Hi, Drew and Roth. Uh I just want to follow up on something from, like, a month and a half ago on the pod where you guys said that uh, fans don't like that you uh, say, It's Kevin
1: home. Uh, and I have to say that I actually
0: enjoy it, mostly because I have only once in my life, other than this uh, phone call right here, said that out loud. And it was yelling it during the first round match of the 2021 U.S. Open for Emirate Kanu, And then it actually came home. And so I just think that it's important to acknowledge that it sometimes actually could be uh, coming home.
1: Uh, love the pod. It does. It does come out. Man.
0: That's right. That's right. He's right that Oh, the old podcast will now be in a
1: British accent. It'll be brilliant. <laughs> Someone mentioned that it's like that. I should say something in a bad British accent, but just one sentence per podcast, and I'm I'm happy to take that challenge on. I kind of th- I kind of think you've already done that. I did. Good. I just did. I don't even need to say in it. Anymore, I might. I might do it in the next episode. At least once a podcast. I hey, hear you go. Are you having a laugh? And Are then, you having a laugh, mate? Yeah, Are you right. Having a laugh. I really like. That's the uh, only way I want to think of Ricky Gervais for the for rest the record. Of my
0: life. I would just like to note that your British accent is significantly worse than my own.
1: Oh yeah, they're they're both very bad, Drew. It's not a competition.
0: I think mine is okay. I don't. I really well, don't. And well, I love you like a brother. Listener, but it- <laughs> that listener liked it, so. Right. Are maybe you're sure? maybe we should go on to
1: the next I think voice they just now. liked speaking in it. And it is liberating. That's the fun of this whole thing is uh doing a bit that you know that most listeners don't like, but they can't stop you because it's just me in the room. It's like when Jon Stewart on the Daily Show would like do a really shitty New
0: York accent. Like yeah. just for no reason. Like it was it wasn't even a good one, but like he needed, to fill, he needed to fill air. So he's different
1: would, than what I do, the very same bit on this podcast. But yes, anyway, true. next question. Let's do it.
0: Yes, let's do it, Eric. Please cue it up. Hi, Drew. Hi, Roth. Dan from St. Paul here again.
1: Woohoo! Question Do you now or have you ever lifted a cheek to fart? And if so, why? I'll hang up and listen. Thanks.
0: Uh, Roth, are you, uh, are you emotionally. Uh, strong enough to answer this question or sure, does it make sure, you sure. too uncomfortable
1: no no i mean because first of all it's something that everybody does and you know that includes me uh i've i've farted from my butt in the past and i don't well, I don't have well a from your talking butt talking now. yeah that's, right out of my butt that's, that's right that's
0: that's that's a new place to do it
1: uh, yeah a lot of people don't you know and that's the sort of thing well first of all that's like again i want to destigmatize butt farts from my- i do it out of my hand it's like yeah a you do often uh, a lot of times, yeah, the company retreat, that's how we convene things, is true. Licks both palms, puts it right up on his mouth, and elementary school style. Uh, Hell yeah, you know. shit yeah, it's the best. Yep, all right, let's get, let's get down to business, everybody. That's what you say right after you hear that sound. Uh, lifting a cheek, to me, I'm sure that I've done it. I mean, it's uh, I don't know that it, it feels unnecessary. I think it's one of those things that... Like maybe if you watched Strange Brew as a child, as I did, I did, but I didn't like have the thought. I was like Bob and Doug McKenzie are the ideal male form. Therefore, like whatever it is they're doing, you got to do it too. I've done it. Uh, it's weird.
0: Sometimes I'll do it to not make a noise, like if mm-hmm. I'm in public or in I don't know a classroom. I know why. At in the classroom opera, room. right? You just like you have to sort of like you have to get a little extra width so that the gas can pass out without impediment. It's the impediment Mm. that makes a fart sound like a fart. But then other times I lift it at the dinner table like to gross
1: out my kids, and it makes a hell of a sound there. So I don't, it's a bit I uh, don't think of it as something that makes a fart quieter. I feel like it's a way to, not to amplify, but to project in a way. Do you know what I mean? You know what? It really depends
0: on how dexterous your large intestine. large mm, intestines. Mm, I think you could
1: mm. Well, I'm glad we here. had this talk. Yeah, me too. By the
0: way, uh speaking of strange brew, I I I haven't told anybody this but like ever since my kids were little, like when they were very small, I even though I swear all the fucking time, I you know, I made a concerted effort to not swear at them when they were small because they were small. And somehow I ended up affecting uh Canadian epithets like I was like you you hosers, like go make <laughs> Or I'll be like, take off, eh? Like I do that, and like I don't know any Canadians. I, some of my best friends are not Canadian. Like I don't. There's no. I don't know why I inexplicably. Am, am like, I like the idea of this
1: going downstream know, but- to where like your kids know that they need to apologize when they did something wrong, so they'll look you in the eye and go sorry about that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I got nothing against the
0: Canadians. But- <laughs> Let's, uh, let's do one more, and then, and then we'll cut out for the week. Eric, can you cue up the last one, please?
1: Hey, Drew. This is Chase, the reader who submitted Electric Callboy uh, for you. Uh, I've got a question about another way to define a guy. Can you be a guy if you had an otherwise unremarkable career but had one indelible play that everyone knows about? Right. Is David Tyree a guy for making the helmet catch? Is Malcolm Butler, who had a slightly longer career, a guy for making that interception? Or what about guys that the plays weren't even that special, but they just looked amazing? Like, I will never forget Jerome Simpson for doing a full-on front flip over a hapless defender to score a touchdown. But the rest of his career wasn't very impressive. I'd love to hear your thoughts.
0: Or what if you took a shit into a hamper?
1: What about that yeah, accomplishment? Yeah, that would be a perfect example. If there was any Packers running back that was on your mind that had done that, it is weird though i think that like i'm pretty loose with the dev i mean i think it's like if i remember who you are at all you're a guy if you ever had a baseball or football or basketball card you're a guy i will say that stuff like that there's a tendency to sort of like inflate a career into you know a dude level like to round up and be like david freeze had an amazing postseason, therefore like david freeze should get a hall of fame vote he shouldn't he had a great career he made a bunch of money he wasn't that good like he just had like a great postseason with the Cardinals. Every Cardinals fan will remember him forever, and he deserves that. But there's, there's no argument for like David Tyree having had a very distinguished NFL career. He just did a really cool thing at a really uh, important moment. Dude, who's in out of the league life. like ten minutes after that? Yeah, I mean, he was like barely in it. He was like a, a special teams guy. Like, I mean, yeah. So for that, I think it's. It is weird though that there's like. People that have very serious hardware that had like sort of guy level to like low level guy careers. As I recall uh Larry Brown who has the Super Bowl. MVP, Thought, yes, of course, th- got a big contract out of it, right? From and then was guess just- who, Al Davis, Al fucking Davis. He did it under the bright lights, he and he's did. very fast. He and then did Al Davis- it. and then like yeah, he was like a he or something. Like yeah, he wasn't he was, very
0: good. No, he was shit. I mean, I do think these sort of these one play guys, like first of all, of course they can be guys, but they're usually it's usually not because they made a great play like David Tyree. It's usually because they're Scott Norwood. Or Jackie Smith, or yeah, someone who fucked up, you know, like Nick Anderson blowing those free throws against the Bulls, like stuff like that. Like those, those guys, I remember for one thing, and it's it's not a good thing, and it's it's on the field. It's not it's not the whizinator, and it's not the dump in the hamper, but it's it's still
1: not good. Yeah, you don't get to define your own legacy in this shit. That's like that's like how the- you'll
0: be remembered for just that one tweet.
1: Roth I mean yes it is actually kind of like that to a certain extent although I think I've made and I hope you know that David Tyree has found similar peace in his life you know like he am not going to say that that the fucking Crab Rangoon tweet is the same thing as beating an undefeated Patriots team in the Super Bowl but it's as close I as would. I'm going to come that's fine I just got to keep doing my, my best otherwise
0: well, we, with that, we say goodbye to the guys. You can always ask us questions about guys. in the, Yeah,
1: uh, like, in please the, ask us questions about guys. That's but, We
0: love that shit. But that was a, a good guy send-off. And speaking of dudes, yeah. Eric Silver is our producer. Brandon Grugel is our editor. Our theme song is by Kirk Hamilton. Ads and production services are by the dudes at Multitude. And subscribe <laughs> to tough. Defector.com right Quite now. Just go to Defector and hit that subscribe button. You can also email us at distraction at com or even call us. and leave a message. That's 909-Panera-0 like these fine folks did. We will see you all next week. Have a great, great week. We'll see you all.
1: Bye-bye.